detask rather than defund. This detask gets clear what you want. You want some of the things that police are doing now to be done by other agencies. They can do it for less money and they can do it better. There's no question about that. And that's something we've got to work for. What's interesting is that almost every police association in Canada opposes any attempt to do that. Welcome to the Ottawa Life Magazine podcast where we take you behind the scenes and bring you the real story about the inner workings of Canada's capital. We start our podcast today on the topic of police misconduct in Canada. My guest is former Toronto Mayor John Sewell, who's the author of a new book titled Crisis in Canada's Policing, which describes the state of large Canadian police forces after the murder of George Floyd in the United States in May 2020. For the past 20 years, Sewell has been an informed, independent-minded observer of Canada's police. He was an early advocate of civilian review and has urged politicians to be as tough on police accountability and spending as they are in other government departments. His first book on the subject, published in 1985, was a pioneering outside analysis of police work. His new book, examines the role of police forces that goes far beyond public relations exercises and the portrayal shown in the media. He addresses topics that include effective recruitment and training, police culture, accountability, surveillance, the use of tasers, racial profiling, complaints against the police, private policing, and governance. Sewell draws together the most up-to-date research in order to open the door on Canada's various police forces, including the RCMP, and he provides insight and steps forward that should be taken to hold the police to a higher standard of accountability when misconduct occurs. Welcome, John. Thank you. I appreciate being here. And of course, as we said in our intro, John Sewell is a former mayor of Toronto. He has written this fascinating book titled Crisis in Canada's Policing, Why Change is So Hard and How We Can Get Real Reform in Our Police Forces. Now, John, you're a one-time mayor of Toronto, and when you were the mayor, you actively campaigned for gay rights under after a litany of raids by the Toronto police. So I'm, I'm going back, obviously. Uh, 42 yeah. years you're going back. 42 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because I recall those days when I was younger and uh, I recall uh, this being in the in the newspapers a lot at the time. It certainly was. Yeah, there, it, was, it was a big event. I guess I was the first leading politician in Canada to try and stick up for the gay community. Well, as I as I recall, uh, you at the time, besides doing that, you were also pushing for a shift in police policy with regards to the use of force. No question about that. In fact, what happened is that uh, in September of or late uh, August of 1979, the police chased a black man, Albert Johnson, into his house. He locked his door. He was considered to be a bit mentally ill. He was yelling in the backyard or something. They broke down the door, went in, shot him to death. I said, this is wrong. He was the eighth person killed in a 13-month period by the Toronto police. Eight people in 13 months. I mean, it's quite amazing. And uh, I said, we've got to start changing police policies. For that, I was just vilified. One newspaper the next day said, Sewell should shut up. Here I am saying this shouldn't happen. We should have reform. So, so that was a big issue. Now, that's fascinating to me because the media went at you. Other media said, shut up. And well, uh, lots of politicians did as well. Sure. Other, you know, some of the people who were opposed to, to me generally as, a, as the mayor. 
I find it interesting because that happened back then. Do you think there's still a problem with certain people, politicians, uh, certain media outlets sort of checking their brain at the door and saying, it's the police, just leave it alone, let them do their thing? Yeah, there's no question about that. I think police get people worried about being, quote, soft on crime. And they say anybody who criticizes us is soft on crime. So if you're a politician, you don't want to do anything that suggests that maybe there should be some change in policing. It's, it's a very big problem. And police associations across the country, not only in Ottawa, uh, but everywhere else, are very, very powerful. And they really go after people who make remarks that say, hey, we should change police policy in regard to this or that. So a lot of politicians, when it comes right down to it, just don't say anything. They let the police do what they want. And that's a problem. I mean, you know, policing is a big public service, spends a staggering amount of our, our local tax dollars, um, and they should be criticized just like everybody else, just like the traffic department and the planning department. And we should have a good, vigorous debate about good things to do about policing. We don't have that, so it means that policing, you know, police officers do a lot of really stupid things. I mean, like one example here in Ottawa is this whole idea of no-knock entries, mm -hmm. you know, where at, at Ottawa police have been strongly criticized by the courts for doing well, them. We had a young man who killed himself. Uh, he jumped off a balcony. He was uh, at his apartment uh, last year with his, his grandparents. As the grandparents said later, why didn't you just knock on the door? We were home. Exactly. Yeah. No, and, and there's lots of other examples. I mean, recently, um, you know, the Toronto police shot to death a man um, in, in the Niagara Peninsula without knocking on his door. He came to the, opened the door, boom, shot to death. No, so that no-knock thing is, is one example where police should be criticized for that. And politicians should be speaking up just as they should have been speaking up about things like carding, you know, where police stop people on the street saying, where are you going? What's in your backseat? You know, all that sort of thing. And in fact, politicians hardly ever spoke up about that. Now, we managed, fortunately, to actually get rid of most of carding in Ontario in 2016. Yazer Nafki, who's a politician from Ottawa, was the Minister of Justice in the Kathleen Wynne government at the time, and actually got that regulation passed. So we've made some real progress in that. It's interesting. Other cities in Canada are only now getting rid of carding, even though it's been shown to be very, very discriminatory. The first study on carding that was done in Canada was done in 2004 in Kingston. And it showed extraordinary discrimination against Blacks and Indigenous people and people of color. Police authorities laughed at that study. Well, of course, it turned out that it was right. But here we are, 16, 17 years later, and police authorities in, in most big cities in Canada are just getting rid of it now. I mean, this is the kind of problem we've got with police. But it comes down to accountability. There seems to be no accountability. And my understanding is that we have police service boards in cities that are supposed to hold the police accountable. They don't. They don't. I agree. They don't. They, they seem to be silent people who just sit there and nod and say, yes, yes, oh, yes, police service. You'd like to do that? Fine. Go ahead. Well, the, the absurd thing to me is, for example, here in Ottawa, the chair of the Ottawa Police Services Board 
is this counselor named Diane Deans. And with the greatest respect, like I seriously think, and I'm saying this sort of in jest, but sort of seriously, I think she takes a stupid pill before every meeting. I cannot understand how someone in her position, uh, it's, it's almost like the chief uh, thinks they report, the board reports to him. I agree. There's there's no question. That's the attitude. And it's not just the Ottawa board that's like that. My experience is that almost all police boards in Canada consist of yes men and yes women. Do we not have, for example, in Ontario, do, we, do the police boards not have the power, the authority to say, look, no, no, you're not doing that? They, they certainly do. They have the legislative ability to set a policy. They aren't allowed to affair, interfere on a day-by-day basis of, of what's happening the for good reason. Side you, is a police yeah, power. you don't you don't want the board to say go out and arrest that person or or so forth. But the board has the legislative responsibility of setting policy. And my experience is that you can't find a board that ever does that. It's always the police service, the police chief that sets the policy. And and that should change. I mean for some reason, when it comes to appointing people to police boards, we never appoint the people who know a bit about policing. And oh, can that's take, a big problem here in Ottawa. Well, that's right. And who can take a position that says, hey, there are some alternatives here. I mean, I'm part of a group in Toronto, the Toronto Police Accountability Coalition. And we think our job is to suggest alternative police policies. That's all. We aren't after police wrongdoing. What we're saying is, you know, instead of doing this, you could be doing that. And you could be saving money at it. Well, we don't get too far. But uh, my impression, if as I was active in Ottawa, it'd probably be the, the same sort of thing, that the board just doesn't pay attention to people who do things. The board also doesn't engage in public discussion about policing issues. You can never find the police board saying, we're calling a meeting to figure out how the police should respond to people who are in mental crisis. We want to hear from you on that because we want to think about it. Well, that's what they should be doing. Here in Ottawa, they tend to suppress information, hide information. For example, in the last uh, seven years, we've had 80 Ottawa police officers criminally charged with everything from sexual assault, an alleged rape, drug dealing, uh, tow truck scandal. Not one of them has been fired. Right. These officers are charged. And then it's quite incredible to me, instead of being even suspended without pay, they're suspended with full pay. Well, the reason they're suspended with full pay in Ontario is that that's what the legislation says you have to do. Uh, now, a number of police chiefs have complained about it, but the provincial government has never been willing to change its policy about that. What's interesting is that in Alberta, in Alberta of all places, the police chief can suspend somebody without pay. And they do it, and they've been doing it for five or six years, and it works perfectly well. Obviously, if the police association is unhappy, all they have to do is file a grievance, and you know, like any other normal, you know, but employee is, is management your, thing. Is it your experience that in Ontario you cannot fire a policeman for cause? It's for very, example, it's very, very difficult to do that. You suspend them generally with pay, and then you go through a process of blah blah blah. And of course, what happens is the police association ensures that the, the officer is fully funded to appeal and appeal and appeal. 
And some of these people are suspended with pay for five or six or seven years. And they end up getting, a, you know, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars out of the public purse for we, doing nothing. We had a constable here, uh, a constable Eric Post, who was an 18 year veteran of the Ottawa police. He had numerous disciplinary issues that were raised during his career. Not once was were they ever dealt with. It, then it turned out that outside of the force, he was a serial uh, sexual assaulter. He was charged uh, with 33 counts, including aggravated assault, sexual assault, uttering death threats. He was on leave for almost three years before he got to trial, paid almost 600 grand. By the time it went to court, they had whittled that down with the Crown to five charges, of which he was convicted. After being convicted, it took three months for sentencing while he was still being paid. And then the Ottawa Police Service Board Chief Peter Slowly and, and the Crown thought that a good solution for him was to get probation and he would leave the force. In the meantime, one of the women victims committed suicide during the trial and two others have said they're living in abject fear of this guy. So my question to you is this, I mean, you're, you are a subject matter expert here. You're a former mayor. And what I don't understand and, and the sort of gap that I see is when the police, when you join the police service, any police service, you take an oath. You take an oath. So if you betray your oath or you violate your oath, why don't chiefs fire the officers with cause and say, I'm going to fight you in court? Yeah. Well, I think there, there's two reasons for it. One is uh, police culture. Police culture is a very, very strong force where police basically look out for each other and, and defend each other and don't criticize each other. And we've seen that where police officers, you know, get into a situation and they go to court and they don't tell the truth. <laughs> you know, they, and, and then somebody will pop up and say, by the way, I've got video evidence. And you think, well, why is the officer defending another officer when he's not telling the truth? So the, there is that whole thing about the culture, which is very, very enclosed. And so a police chief is somebody who generally has worked his or her whole life through the police service and is heavily imbued with police culture. And therefore, they're very, very sensitive to criticizing fellow officers. So that's one problem. The second problem is that the, the disciplinary procedure in police forces is really broken. I mean, what happens is that the hearing officer at a disciplinary hearing is always a police officer, a formal police officer, who's part of that. But doesn't that scream conflict of interest, this well, idea of police investigating police? I, I think so. And, and what we, you, we could easily deal with that just by saying the, 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 the tribunal is going to be headed up by somebody who's independent, who's not a police officer, doesn't have that police culture. We could easily, but that's not what we've got. I mean, we've got this system where it feeds in on itself. And then you get into situations, well, uh, like the, the special investigation unit, where, which investigates officers who have, uh, or incidences where there's been violence to somebody, somebody's been badly hurt or killed or whatever. But in fact, you know, officers often don't talk to the SIU for fear of self-incrimination. I mean, we had that case 
about a, a year ago in Peterborough where two police officers chased a man in a car who was thought to have abducted his young son and, and chased the car until it sort of crashed. And the officer, uh, the, when the man got out of the car, the officer shot him to death and shot the baby, the one-year-old baby to death. Neither of those two officers have been willing to talk to the SIU. And they're still police. And they're still police officers. And, and it, so this is broken. This is really, it's a system that's really broken. And I agree we have the, the, the charter of, of rights and freedoms that say you don't self-incriminate yourself. But when you're dealing with police officers who've got guns, and they're the only people who are still alive at these events, to say that they shouldn't have to tell what happened, it's wrong in my opinion. It's too dangerous for the world. Let me ask your opinion on on this because um, this idea of police investigating police. We had a case here in Ottawa, you're probably aware of it, the Abdi Abdi Raman case where a man was beaten to death by two policemen down in Hintonburg. It went to trial and the judge cleared the police. He, he expressed uh, some personal almost a personal anxiety or dilemma about doing it. He said he felt compelled to do it. You know, judges are in a narrow lane in terms of the law and what they can work with. But he did express in his ruling, uh, you could tell he struggled with it. So to me, that screamed appeal. But then the Crown in Ottawa decided not to appeal it. Afterwards, the officer, there were two officers involved, but the, the one who, the key one at the trial, this uh, Constable Daniel Monsian, they claimed, the, the claim was that he died of a pre-existing health condition. And then the chief went on the local CGOH news here and started spinning that yarn after. So my question is this, within a few months of that, the chief and the Ottawa Police Services Board provided a settlement to the family, which we're told was up to a million dollars. The constable is back on the force. And I'm thinking, why are we paying a million dollars to this family for the victim if apparently this officer did nothing wrong? Why is he still a policeman? Like, where's the accountability? Yeah, it seems to me there's not uh, not nearly enough accountability. Um, and it, I think we could get it if we had police boards that were much stronger, where, in fact, there was a, a vigorous debate about policing issues and how we did discipline and, and those kinds of things, and we don't have it. We seem to appoint people to police boards who are sort of patsies when it comes to those kinds of things, and, that, and that's a problem. So, I mean, you've been involved in this literally your whole career, your whole adult Long life. Time, yeah. What's the way forward here, John? Because uh, we're not getting the accountability. And what I've seen over the last decade is an increase in police misconduct, uh, constant non-accountability for the behavior. And, but what's even more troubling to me is I'm finding a breach in the society now where people, you know, when I was a kid, my folks would say, look, if you have a problem and your mom and I aren't here, go get go to see the police. They will help you. Yeah. What I told my kids when I was raising them, if you have a problem and the police come, do everything you can to leave. Try to avoid them. If they ask you a question, answer the question and leave. 
you know, we have this idea. We have police walking around in militarized gear. It's amazing, isn't it? They got like tattoos on. They're wearing these Terminator style sunglasses. What is going on? No, I, I mean, it, you know, we don't understand police very much. At the end of the day, the average Ottawa police officer arrests probably eight or nine people a year. A year. Less than one a month. If you look at the calls that come into the Ottawa police, only one call out of 80 involves some kind of personal harm to somebody. One out of 80. So most of the calls don't. They're relatively benign. But yet we've got these police officers walking around with a gun and a taser and body armor as though they're in a field of great danger. And, and it's simply not true. And, you know, so we've got to start realizing that, in fact, these are not, you know, the, the crime is not rampant everywhere. We don't need these kind of people with all this armor on because they aren't dealing with those situations. I mean, my own feeling is that we'd be much better off if we went the Europe, what they do in the United Kingdom, where rank and file officers don't have guns. You know, keep the guns for the emergency task force for that one out of 80 calls where there might be a problem. But, you know, for the rest of the time, we don't. That, I think, would start to change things enormously because it would make police officers then part of the community rather than this thing that people are afraid of. I recently talked at a, a high school in Toronto uh, to students, and what the students said was, you know, we actually don't feel as safe when police officers are around, when then they aren't around. <laughs> you think, wait a minute now, we got things wrong. We, we've got to rethink it. And my, I don't think, you know, I don't think the police are responding to that. Certainly police boards are not responding to that. And we should be. We, we've literally got to do a lot of rethinking about that. There, there's other things we could do. I mean, I've talked about the idea of changing the disciplinary system. Um, I think that would be very, very helpful. I think we should change the whole way that we actually recruit and train officers. We shouldn't be, you know, we, we hire everybody at the very bottom of, of the police force and they work their way up after going to a school for three months where they learn the police culture. That's wrong. We should be doing it like every other organization does. You have a job description. You figure out the skills you need. You, you, you say what kind of function the person's going to do. And then you look to see who's got those kinds of skills. That's what you should do rather than this basic recruiting thing that we're doing. So one of the takeaways I got from your book, and correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, we have a problem with not only recruiting, but the type of people we're recruiting. Yep. And the quality of those people in terms of, uh, you know, their their ability to do the job. I, I've often likened things here to, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I obviously there's a lot of good police out there and people who join for the right reasons. But you also get those other police who join who are sort of command and control people. They love the power thing. They I call them the gym rat police. You know, well, they just and, want but, to control. And that's the culture. So the point is, yeah. if you don't like that culture, you get ostracized or you leave. Right. And that's a problem because it means the good people say, I'm getting out of are, here. I'm not doing it. Yeah. So the problem with recruiting, second problem is with leadership in policing. Yep. And you talk, call it the police culture, the way that they're sort of inculcated in that system. The third problem is police investigating police when there's, when there's misconduct. Right. And then, of course, a fourth 
problem is oversight, lacks oversight. And so, and one other issue, I mean, let me just put it on the table, um, is the number of charges that police lay, um, which is really quite, in Ontario, um, over half the charges that police lay are either withdrawn or rejected by the court, over half. Well, in, in Quebec, just across the border there, they have something called pre-charge screening. So that it's not the police that lay the charges. The police go to the Crown Attorney. It's the Crown Attorney that lays the charge to make sure it's a serious charge and that it can actually get through the court. And in, in Quebec, only 10% of the charges are withdrawn or rejected by the court. So if we actually put pre-charge screening in place here in Ontario, we'd have a lot fewer people being unnecessarily charged. Um, and we'd, have, uh, we'd save a lot of court time. Um, and we'd obviously save a lot of people from being totally harassed by the police with unnecessary charges and hiring lawyers and getting absolutely terrified and so forth. So that's a change that, again, begins to look at what the police culture is and saying, we got to change it. I'm speaking with John Sewell, the author of Policing Canada. His book is Crisis in Canada's Policing, Why Change is So Hard and How We Can Get Real Reform in Our Police Forces. John, just to wrap this particular podcast up, and this is fascinating, and I'm going to sort of leave it with an open-ended question, which is this. I mean, you've been a mayor in Canada's largest city, You've committed your life to public service. You are obviously in the weeds and really understand this issue. We've talked about the costs of policing. We, we've talked about, you know, there's a fissure in society now. We have so many people with mental health issues here in Ottawa. We have people, if you walk down to the Byward Market, it's like you're walking around the set of The Walking Dead. It's like Vancouver East Side. We don't see a police presence in Ottawa in terms of officers on the street, they're in their cars. You don't. Ha- there's really not a presence. You walk down Elgin Street. I, I cry for the Inuit people in this city who are just lying about, who need intervention. But the city says, well, we don't have money to help them, but we have all this money for the police. What's what's your instinct in terms of where this is going? Do you think we're going to get some changes or improvements, or is it going to be more of the same? What people have been talking about defunding. I I, I like the term detasking. Because a lot of those things that police are doing now, they shouldn't be doing them. We should be having social service agencies deal with them. You know, the, all, all of the mentally ill people who, who are called upon by the police when, when they're in crisis and some of them die because of that. We should have institutions, public service institutions that do those calls rather than the police. We do, should have. Do you think that, and, you th- and, and so that they're the kinds of changes we've got to talk about. Sure. And my impression is that if you talk to some of the police authorities quietly out of the way, they will agree that the police are doing things they shouldn't be doing. But if you talk about it publicly, the police association will say you're just at, you know you're soft on crime, when in fact most of the things the police are doing is not related to crime. And we should be changing what their functions are. It's interesting you say that because I've observed that the mantra, you know, defund the police, I think that's been widely misinterpreted. 
I think that, uh, and I'm just curious if you if you think this, I'm sort of on point on this. I think when people say defund the police, I don't think they mean like defund the police. We don't want the police. I think they're expressing a dissatisfaction with the way things in the society are working. And they're saying, they're not saying defund the police or the police shouldn't be doing what the police do. They're saying the police shouldn't be doing all of these things and we need to defund them from doing things like dealing with people who have mental health issues or that, people on the street. And and we should they shouldn't be doing that when that money should be going elsewhere. Would That's that why accurate? I say, yes, detask, I think, rather than defund. Because detask gets clear what you want. You want some of the things that police are doing now to be done by other agencies. They can do it more cheaply and for, for less money, and they can do it better. There's no question about that. And that's something we've got to work for. But what's interesting is that almost every police association in Canada opposes any attempt to do that. And this is about, again, this is about just retaining the status quo. It's about the culture. It, that's right. That's right. And and police boards are good ways of tackling that if we had people on them who actually cared about the issues. And we don't. We seem to have all those people who nod saying, oh, yes, 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 police chief, do what you want. And that and that's the problem. And too many politicians take that same position. And, you know, the, the, the amount of, can I give you just one other example about sure. how difficult change is? In 2001, the Supreme Court of Canada said to the Toronto police, you're strip searching too many people. Strip searches are demeaning and degrading. You've got to stop strip searching people. Almost every year since then, I've been to the police board when the figures come out about how many people they strip search and saying, you got to change your policy. No, they never did. And under Bill Blair, who's now, of course, a federal minister, he, he was the chief of police, Toronto got to the point of strip searching 40% of the people arrested. Then we got a provincial study done in 2018 that said, you know, Toronto's strip searching 40% of the people who are arrested, but other large police forces in, in Ontario, Ottawa, London, Kingston, are only strip searching 1%. So come on, Toronto, you should change your policy. Again, the police board said, no, fine, we're discontinuing on. It was only last year after the murder of George Floyd that in Toronto, they said, oh, we're going to change our policy about strip searches. To try so and put how is it 19 the, years it took. How and the board have, how, just kept on saying, oh no, things are fine. We're just going to continue on. But how can they how can they ignore the Supreme Court? Well, because the Supreme Court just sort of made a recommendation. The Supreme Court was making a decision about a particular case. And in fact, of course, what also happened is every year there was one or two court cases where what the police had done was thrown out because they strip searched somebody illegally. You know, so the, the point is that boards are really weak and they shouldn't be. They should be strong. And why we have to wait until George Floyd gets murdered in the United States and the great public outcry for that small change to be made 19 years after sure. it had been is crazy, is absolutely crazy. If, if I was to summarize your conclusion in, in sort of one paragraph, would this, would this be fair? Would this be a fair statement? Do you think that if police services boards had the proper people on them, they could affect a significant amount of change if they were really serious about it? 
I do believe that. I believe that's the case. And I believe they could say, come on now, there's better ways of doing things. Let's do them. John Sewell has joined us this morning in downtown Ottawa. Uh, Mr. Mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'd I'd like to thank you so much for your time. And for all of our listeners, I highly recommend. It's a fascinating book, Crisis in Canada's Police. And in fact... I'd also recommend that the police read this book because I think they'll understand if they read it that uh, Mr. Sewell uh, is is certainly not against the police. He's all about accountability and and trying to do things where we can improve our society. So I want to thank you, John, so much for being here this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us for the Ottawa Life Magazine podcast brought to you from the offices of Ottawa Life Magazine in downtown Ottawa, the heart of Canada's capital.